welcome everyone to the Goods & Co. podcast. My name is Isaac Matthews and I am your host. Here on the podcast, we share the stories of local businesses and artists in the northwestern Ontario region of Canada, proudly supporting ventures owned by members of the LGBTQ, BIPOC, and women-led communities. Today's episode is brought to you by the new Woodside Bar, located in the Goods & Co. market downtown Thunder Bay, bringing you crafted cocktails and a curated wine and beer menu to suit all taste buds. Follow along on Instagram, at The Woodside Bar. That again is at The Woodside Bar. All right, okay. so we are here today with the dynamic trio, the trinamic trio. That is the Craft Revival. I'm so excited to have you guys here. Thank you so much for joining us for the Goods & Co. podcast. Thanks um, for having us. Yeah, of course. So obviously... Craft Revival has been a huge uh, part of this community for many years, and I'm sure there are so many people out there who don't know the story of it. So today is the opportunity. We'd like to hear how it started, how you all met, how you're all involved, uh, and where we're going in the future. Awesome. Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get that ball rolling. Let's do it. Um, so I'm May. I'm uh, the creator of Craft Revival. Um, I started the event in 2014. Um, it started very small. Uh, I mean, I don't know when Vic's episode's airing either before or after this, but Vic kind of talks about the story about me hosting the first craft revival in my parents' house. Um, so it was it was kind of just, I was inspired by many of my friends who made really amazing products and or art and uh, felt that we should be supporting more local makers for like holiday shopping. So I decided to do a holiday event at my parents' house and um, we kind of took over the whole space. They, uh, you know, we had a couple people set up in the foyer. Um, Vic had her art like on the steps of my going upstairs to my parents' um, second level. And uh, we had people in the living room and there was wine and cheese and and, uh, I invited basically everyone that I knew uh, to come check it out. So um, that was the first technical craft revival event um but after that event happened uh, many of my friends who attended uh wanted to be a part of the next one mm. so we were like well we got to do that again that was super fun and we now have 10 more people that want to be involved so uh, my partner that runs the foundry i convinced him to let me take over the restaurant on a sunday of course. um that following spring uh, so we decided to, to set up in the foundry, um, you know, we had tables everywhere, people, you know, had their products all displayed and, um, we actually weren't even going to invite the public. <laughs> okay. We were just going to do it as a closed event yeah, with yeah. our like close invite friends. And, um, um, and then finally, as it evolved, we decided, oh, okay, well, we should probably maybe like invite some people and put this out there. Yep. Um, so we had tables set up. We organized musicians that, that were a part of it. We're playing the whole day. And then we had our bar open and um, it was a hit. It was a, it was a big Naturally, hit. Yeah. People loved it. People loved being able to drink and shop. Uh, that is the Who key. Doesn't? That is the key <laughs> to the craft revival success is <laughs> drinking and shopping. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of how it got started. And I, you know, I started doing it, uh, basically every spring and winter, um, and then slowly started like more businesses in the waterfront district in our downtown in Thunder Bay wanted to be involved. So, 
Um, it started at just the foundry. Then it was adding another couple bars on, you know, that wanted to participate. And it was really unique because people hadn't seen a market in these types of venues. Right. Like there was, you know, you don't see that set up in a, in a restaurant or a bar. Right. Um, you know, so I think people found it very unique and, and then being able to purchase food and drink at the same time, listen to music, it kind of like ignited all the senses, mm -hmm. um, and was a really cool experience. So, um, as the event grew, we had more and more venues coming on board and I was at this point doing it all solo, like just me with my horrible organizational skills <laughs> trying to make this happen. Um, and at a certain point, uh, Kara magically came into my life and was like, do you need help? <laughs> And uh, I remember that moment, actually. She could see um, it on your face. Yeah. So Kara, Kara and Heather will tell their story a little bit, but they were uh, are both participants in the event, and that's how we met. But uh, yeah, Kara, Kara and I made a, a plan to meet one day, and she was like, I think I can help you. And I was like, please, <laughs> like, please help me. Um, so yeah, so Kara came on board, and... Um, and then it kind of just evolved from there. Um, I'll, I'll kind of let them talk about their specific roles a bit more. But um, I, as the event grew, I needed help. Um, every time we host an event, we have volunteers that we bring on board. Of course, that would not be possible without our volunteers to make the actual day happen. Mm -hmm. But the behind the scenes stuff was starting to get really challenging for me to do on my own with, you know, I don't know, no experience right. in like admin <laughs> Kara hated everything that I had I had <laughs> I had going on at the time um but yeah so so here we are um you know what is it seven years that we've been doing mm -hmm. the event and um I think we've evolved in a, in a big way yeah no kidding so how many artists did you have involved at that first one in your parents house the first one would have been maybe like eight and how many are now involved uh 200 plus 200 that's plus wild. yeah that's unbelievable yeah it's uh it's pretty crazy that's and awesome. how many shoppers at the first one 20 right <laughs> and how many shoppers at our last in person mm, probably 5,000 5,000 yeah that's unbelievable yeah it's crazy that's so cool yeah when you count like the shoppers and we've done you know we've taken surveys and we've taken information so we have some ways of tracking but when you consider shoppers um all the vendors that are participating the musicians the performers um and then the people running the businesses downtown the workers the staff um i yeah it's crazy Lots and of how long we kind of talked about this in uh, another podcast that we did with Jordan. Um, but how far into it? I'm curious from your perspective, how far into the craft revival was it before you said to yourself, like this downtown core could probably use a permanent space that's doing this all the time, a.k.a. the market. When do you think that kind of clicked <laughs> for you? Yeah, it, I think I think it was probably at least I'd say four years into doing the event mm -hmm. somewhere around 2018 I think where I started like or 2017 maybe where I started dreaming about about this idea and I had been traveling a lot over the years with my friends or with par my partner um, and any time we would go to any other city I would always check out the markets I was immediately obsessed with like the art scenes mm -hmm. in different cities and um, 
I and, and it being kind of cool that the markets in different cities kind of showcase what that city's all about. So yeah. it gives you that little taste of like where you are. Um, which I think Craft Revival does that for our region because it's it's specifically art and craft made in the north and inspired by the north. Right. So there's a whole vibe to it Definitely. that I was like, wow, this is really special. This really mm. needs to be a thing that people need to see all the time. And even after the first uh, event where we invited the public, um, the the public was like, they're like, when are you doing this again? Like right. this has to happen again. And after like the third or fourth, I was like, I guess I'm doing this forever. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 is this, like, can I stop? Like, like, and it was no, no, oh, there's no way. So when did you, did you tell these two immediately then when you had the idea that we need to evolve this? Um, I like, I think for, for me, it was something that I had been thinking about in my own brain for a long time. But then um, when Kara came on board first to help with the event, um, she's involved with the downtown quite a bit. So I think it was like uh, probably a, in our conversations a bit about wanting to do a market space permanently downtown. Right. Um, but it was kind of like, where, where do you do it? Like, where were the opportunities? Yeah. Buildings weren't like, didn't, it didn't make sense at the time. Um, so, but it was on our radar, I think for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And this, we're going to talk about craft revival today, but obviously everyone sitting on this couch now is also involved in the good to go market coming up. Yeah. I mean, like, so Heather is obviously doing the design work for mm -hmm. Goods and Co. Market um, and helping me with with, you know, the branding of the whole project. Um, Kara, I'm trying to convince her to do many things and we'll <laughs> see what she's going to do. But Kara's like my emotional support <laughs> team um, yeah. and she's on the staff dearest friend. <laughs> um and she's uh she's gonna be involved somehow she just doesn't know it yet yep. no but we're we're talking about different uh different roles and different ways of setting up the the business so i'm sure i'm gonna reel karen somehow <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about um this last year because obviously the craft revival has been such an in-person huge event downtown but covid obviously changed that so in the last craft revival you did an online version right yeah. Uh, I mean, Heather, if you want to, you could speak to this probably a yeah. bit because you helped with the design and stuff part of it. Helped with it a little bit. Yeah. Thanks. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think there were so many vendors that were starting to do their own little virtual sales just because um, nobody knew what was happening in the beginning and lots of things were just postponed, postponed, cancelled to maybe happen later. Um, before people kind of got up and running again. Um, so we were set to go for May. Uh, we canceled, I think we did postpone a couple times mm -hmm. um, without giving a date. Right. And then we had set dates amongst the three of us that we would be prepared to pull things off for. Um, but it was pretty clear that like COVID wasn't leaving. Yeah, there was uh, a lot of unknowns then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we saw a few different vendors kind of host their own little virtual sales with whatever curbside pickup or end of driveway drop-offs and all of that kind of stuff um, through April and May. Uh, and we had to get things back in order for, for November, whether COVID was here or not. We just were, we weren't really sure how the chips were going to fall yet. So we had kind of a plan A and a plan B and a plan C with a million variables and we were just waiting to see what was going to happen. And it was really hard to plan 
um, as everyone found trying to plan through COVID. So we had to make a plan and the plan was virtual because it can happen no matter what. So if by some chance COVID went away, we would have found a way to have an in-person event in addition to our virtual event, but we had to kind of forge ahead somewhere. And as soon as we announced that we were doing it virtually, we were terrified that we were going to get all this backlash and people saying, I'm not doing that and, mm. and so on. Um, and instead, Kara gets all the emails. Kara, and reads the, the Instagram messages, had an outpouring of like, I'm so thankful. I can't believe this is happening. Oh, I really? would do anything. Um, in addition to people saying that Craft Revival has become part of their annual income, like oh, the wow. two seasons. And to go without the spring one was a hit. And to go without the fall one as well or holiday would have been like inconceivable. Wow. Um, so people were really, really happy and, and excited to be part of virtual. There were definitely learning curves there for us because we had never done that before. Yeah. Um, and we're managing 200 vendors, which we learned later was 3,000 purchases um, wow. through however many people purchased yeah, yeah. that we sorted um, like a post office and <laughs> took over the foundry again <laughs> in 18 hours. Yeah. We lived at the foundry for 18 hours. That was the craziest. Dreamt of the alphabet. Oh my God. It was the craziest experience. Yeah. So you guys ever. had essentially, and you can kind of explain the backside of it, but from what I saw, you had essentially developed a website that not only introduced customers to different artists and whatnot vendors for the event but then it also was an opening to vendors websites and it spread the word about their products and then they would order through that and then the vendors would bring products to a single space that you guys were organizing and then the customers would come and pick up their products from that single space is that essentially how it yes it was <laughs> yes yes that crazy story you just told is accurate <laughs> yeah that sounds like chaos yeah, it was wild. But it, it was successful. It was, yeah. And yeah. I think like when we were planning it and coming up with how we were going to pull this off, it wouldn't have made sense to just say, come to the Craft Revival site on this day at 10 a.m. and then go off to shop at 12 different vendors mm -hmm. and like, good luck. Right. Um, and, and then leave all the vendors and all the shoppers to deal with their purchases and whatever. We had to make it beneficial in some point, in some way, for the shoppers and for the vendors. So we came up with the plan to do the central pickup. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that a surprising thing that happened is many of the vendors had increased sales. Because on the day, there's like a flood trying to get into the chanterelle. And people waiting in the stairwell to get down and uh now it sounds like a fire hazard but i mean it's busy <laughs> um likewise to get into all of the other street yeah, level yeah. places as well um and sometimes you just can't fight the crowd that many times or right. you're pushing a stroller or you have like senior grandparents with you um so there gets to be a point where like you can't go into that building for the ten dollar item mm -hmm. and i think that because all of the shops opened at once you could get all of the like hot items that you needed to in the first 12 minutes. And then you were kind of like, now what can I buy? Right. And like, let me check out this person. And you had like $10 purchases and $5 purchases and then big stuff. But like, it didn't matter because you were just going to show up to one pickup and retrieve all those things at once. Interesting. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. 
Um, so yeah, Maylin was the uh, creator of this idea at first, and obviously you guys got roped in because she's so great at roping amazing people into her projects. This is true. <laughs> so why don't you guys introduce yourselves a bit and talk more about your role specifically with uh, Craft Revival? You go. Okay, go for it. Um, so I'm Kara. I am the spreadsheets and the email and all of the wonderful backend stuff of the Craft Revival. Um, as Maylin had said, I approached her. I was a um, artisan and I, I made scarves. Um, I sewed scarves. And I saw more of a need for me on the craft revival side than as an artisan. Uh, I came up to her and I said, first of all, I can probably help you with uh, answering messages on your Instagram feed because I have a feeling that they're kind of a little bit behind and she's like oh that'd be amazing here's here's the login and <laughs> please take it all yeah. <laughs> um which is very Maylin. once you get to know Maylin, it's like yes please if you're willing to help um and then it came down to um when she, we worked with applications for the next one i'm like we could probably like, work this out a little bit better how do you do it what do you do for steps? And she's like, well, I take everything and um, I write a word document and then I respond to everybody individually. And all of the, I'm like, I can I can streamline all of this. <laughs> <laughs> you you accept individual emails? I'm like, we'll do a form and there people will fill things out. It will end up in a spreadsheet. And she's like, what are these magical things that you're speaking <laughs> of? It's <laughs> like, we'll just, we'll streamline everything in the background. You can still send out your like Malin has a very um nice voice when it comes to her her acceptance emails um and like we're, we're going to keep all of that we'll keep your personal personable side to it mm -hmm. but we're just going to make everything less messy in the background yes. um and that's really what where I came in it's just a, a matter of spreadsheets fillable forms all of the nerdy things that nobody really wants to talk about <laughs> um but it makes our lives a lot easier well, of course and we can individualize everyone um that way even though it comes into like a central repository mm -hmm. we know who they are what they do the the information about them instead of sifting through emails and putting everything into a word document this uh makes our lives easier and theirs because they know that what they put in is what comes out of the other other side what people see so i'm sure it, it launches a business exponentially too to have that kind of streamlined back end so mm -hmm. You may be behind the scenes, but it's very, very important. <laughs> Thank you. It also helped when we, we work with 21 locations Yeah. and uh, have to place all of these different artisans, and we don't want too many of the same types of businesses in the same place. So right. you don't want to have like five potters in one spot or right. um, a bunch of painters. We just want to make sure that everybody is located mm. in different spots. And then how do you also organize all of the different locations? And they also have a sign-up system too, and it just makes life better there's a lot of stuff that people don't see that mm -hmm. goes into these kind of processes mm -hmm. yeah and that's amazing amazing and again it's it's 100 percent contributing to the success of the craft revival i'm sure so <laughs> guess a hundred percent and heather do you want to explain your role sure um so my role in craft revival is the creative stuff um so I, I became involved with Craft Revival because Maylin and Kara asked me to do the seasonal artwork, um, I think four holiday ver seasons ago. Um, and it just kind of became like something that stuck. And then 
Thank goodness. Yeah. And then <laughs> I was not allowed to leave. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> so Kara mentioned taking over kind of the backside of Instagram. Um, I think with, with the holiday one, maybe two or three ago, um, we decided to, to streamline the Instagram feed. Mm-hmm. At one point it was um, anything that was tagged Instagram was reposted. Um, but it makes it hard to look at or to like see the good stuff without some right. like breaks and rest and whatever yeah. in between. Um, so we started curating the feed. So we'll still repost as many stories as people want to tag us in. Um, so if you want to be featured in the stories, tag your stuff with Craft Revival and Kara will repost you. Um, <laughs> the feed, on the other hand, we've started trying to give it a look, make sure it matches the season. Mm-hmm. Um, we try and post everybody. Um, this season is slowly turning into an ombre rainbow, which is fun to build. Oh, nice. Um, and then Kara and I have have excluded May from that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mei Mei. <laughs> uh, so I build the process. Yeah, I build the feed. Uh, we we now schedule everything so it goes into like a software system, and then Kara takes it from there. So she right. writes captions, makes okay. make sure the posts get up, and it is totally a team effort. Um, May so too. May yes. is also part of the team. May's been <laughs> reposting, and it's yeah. saving my sanity. Perfect. Because I have multiple phones that go off <laughs> <laughs> various times of the day. What do I even do? <laughs> <laughs> you look gorgeous. <laughs> you also have a market to run yes, and create. You have so lots and lots of other work right. to do. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Sounds like a well-oiled machine for sure. And obviously, it's taken years to get there. I, I can't imagine it was very simple at the start of all of it. I think if I can add one other thing too, um, the more that the event grows, the more communication there is required to mm-hmm. communicate with the vendors and with the um, the venues and with mm-hmm. the shoppers, which is a, a huge part of it. Um, and a lot of the vendor communication happens with email, which Kara and Malin, I think, do together and send out. Um, but on the day of the event with I think we had 24 locations at one point. Yes. There needs to be signage that mm-hmm. corresponds with all of those. And we started producing a like a guidebook um, cool. that listed all of the vendors, all of the venues. Um, of course, that costs money to print. Mm-hmm. So then we started to pursue sponsorships. So I think like as the event grows, mm-hmm. there's so much extra stuff that goes into making sure that it's successful mm-hmm. because there's so many people to get information to, mm-hmm. um, which of course costs more money as well. So we do we do what we can with what we've got, but yeah. yeah. And thank goodness Malin has taken over sponsorship stuff. She sure <laughs> has. She is incredible at it. <laughs> Everyone's got their skill sets, right? Mm-hmm. She yeah. can get money out of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mailin is the relationship have. for yeah. sure. <laughs> 100%. And this may sound like a silly question, but some some businesses and some events do cap eventually. Do you think you guys want to just grow it until like for infinity? Or do you think eventually there's only so much you guys can do before it's, it's too much? You know what I mean? I or are you just taking on new people? If you're interested, come join our, our team and get involved. I can answer this a little bit better. We we do have to stop things at a certain point. Mm-hmm. We have capped once certain we have um, open applications. Right. And once the applications are closed, we have to be fair. Right. Um, 
as cancellations come in, we may open up some spaces as we, we have them, but there is only so much that we can deal with. Um, and as we, we're limited by spaces too. When it's in person, right. if we don't have enough spaces to put people in, we can't have any more artisans. So we mm. generally know that number and it would be nice to have a, a lot, but it's also how people can shop it. Yeah, totally. um, Once there gets to be too many, it's it's not shoppable. So you, we're thinking like one of a kind in, mm. uh, in Toronto. You can spend a day or two wandering that. Right. Um, at the moment, we've been limited by one day. If we have it over a longer period of time, we could have more artisans. But we do have to stop things at a certain certain point. Um, and with the uh, the current setup um, for online, we did have to cap it just to be fair s to us and the people that are helping us in the back end mm -hmm. um, and our artisans because we did give them a window of time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so you mentioned this year has been different, uh, obviously, with COVID and, and pivoting online uh, last year and then moving into the spring season, you're going to be doing it again. Is there anything significant or specific that you've learned going into this process? Do you think it's something you'll continue going on in the future if COVID dies down eventually? Um, what has that been like for you guys? Yeah, so, I mean, I think with going online, we learned a lot for sure. Um, we also learned that uh, we can reach new markets. Like I think that going virtual really helped um, spread the word with Craft Revival outside of Thunder Bay, which is really interesting to see. So having the website, um, sorry, to fix my silly sliding, <laughs> um, having the website and having the ability to see the stats of who was visiting the site, who is shopping, um, was really helpful. I think really helpful for us to see um, just the potential of craft revival and where we could go with it. So um, being able to see that, you know, day one, there was 20,000 shoppers that wow. visited the site. And then, you know, after we did the last event, you know, 6,000 shoppers were from the U.S., which was really oh, interesting. interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so, wow. so knowing that we're kind of tapping into different areas is really exciting for us, and we're exposing our local community here to mm -hmm. the rest of the world. I mean, it was it was crazy to see the stats uh, from the event tell us that people in Europe were on the site. Are. Like, mm -hmm. it, you know, it's crazy. Wow. I'm like, what? Like, how? Like China? Like five people in China were on it? Like what? Um, but no, it's, it's crazy to, to see that and, um, and really helpful for us to also grow the event because then we can show, um, our supporters and our sponsors that we are getting really good reach within, Amazing. within the world. So, um, so yeah, I think we learned just that piece was really important. And then, um, I mean, putting together a website, putting together the platform, um, all the little pieces have to give a huge shout out to sociable Thunder Bay, uh, Brooke and Palash who helped us, uh, put together the website for the last mm -hmm. event. Um, and Heather, she's there. And Heather, Silent yes. One in the background. Yes. Yeah. And Heather, different Heather. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they, they were amazing. They helped us big time. Um, and during the whole event were, you know, kind of our tech in the back team, oh gosh, making sure, shooting. Yeah, yeah, if anything went wrong. I can't imagine. Um, so it, it was great having that support. I think mm -hmm. we felt, it was also pretty crazy that the day of craft revival starting, because usually that <laughs> night is like, <laughs> I have no sleep and I wake up really early yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and then it's like running around, putting out signs and like getting everything ready at like 
5, 6 a.m. To, to start the event and, yeah. and, like, when we have it in person. Um, but this time it was, like, this, like, relaxed morning, <laughs> like, getting up all, like, casual. It was, like, oh, 10 o'clock, we're going to, like, open up the floodgates and it's going to be great. Relaxed um, for some. <laughs> for some, yeah. <laughs> for me, because I do nothing, apparently. Um, Kidding. Th- thanks to my buds here, just <laughs> making me seem like a chump. Um, but anyways, no, it's it was it was it was a different feel to um, the event, and yeah. um, and to be able to watch you know the traffic yeah. from at home on your computer was pretty That's crazy. Incredible. So um, so yeah, we I mean we plan to um, I think the biggest thing that that I mean the whole event um has has taught us a lot and we really like to give back to the community with every event that we host Mm -hmm. so I think it's really important that um everyone knows that from the very beginning any any time we would have you know additional funds or we'd get extra sponsorships we always give back in some way to an organization in the community um and uh and that's been really awesome to have that kind of like charitable component to the event yeah um, so much so, so much so that we have been able to actually um, um, make a pretty big decision moving forward in the next while. Um, so we are planning to, uh, I guess, officially make Craft Revival into a not-for-profit organization. Amazing. Um, so that was a pretty uh, big step for us, I think. Um, I mean, the event has al- always functioned as one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, we've we've had a team, we, you know, we have regular meetings, we, we track our finances. um, And at the end of the day, when there's extra funds, we give back. So Mm -hmm. it's always bringing us back to kind of that $0 bank account. And then we start all over again for the next event. So, um, so yeah, we just, we decided that it made sense to make that decision. And um, we're really excited to announce it. I mean, it'll be out in the public by the time this episode airs. But um yeah we just felt that was a really good decision mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's amazing that component. yeah absolutely and it's such a it's it's amazing that that plus the outreach that you guys have seen through the online presence is now going to bring such a focus on this community and the local artisans and small business owners of this community that's amazing and also giving back um as as a portion of that Mm-hmm. Awesome. Super exciting. Yeah. It's yeah. Fun. And it's important for, for us, like Craft Revival is huge for Thunder Bay and mm-hmm. the creative community and tourism. And that's yeah. a big part of what, you know, we're trying to do is we're working with Tourism Thunder Bay mm-hmm. um, to get more of those people, whether it's across the border or outside of Thunder Bay to attend the event or to come on and, and check out our online events and Absolutely. stuff. So it's you have five people in China who are eager now it's come true. to Thunder Bay, Ontario. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. It's and amazing. So going forward, do you guys think you're going to stick with having an online component with like, say COVID goes away and you'd go back to having the live um, craft revival? Are you going to stick with an online component as well? Yeah, we'd love to. Um, yeah. We have a few artisans that are actually outside of Thunder Bay. Oh, um, perfect. Yeah. This, that's new since we've gone virtual. Mm-hmm. So it's nice. They, I think one's in Toronto um once in winnipeg awesome uh, yeah and they've Fort just been sh- Fort Fr- and like yeah ex- all sorts like of those right places, in yeah. outside awesome of, yeah so it, it would be nice to have and continue with uh, both and we'll just figure out how we we market the two of them at the same time so awesome mm-hmm. cool 
thank you guys again. You guys have done an amazing thing for this community. Uh, and hopefully it just continues to grow. And hopefully once COVID slows down, we can get back to doing it in person again. Uh, but thanks for joining us. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you everyone so much for joining us for this episode of the Goods & Co. podcast. We have several local entrepreneurs lined up for this season of the Goods & Co. podcast, so make sure to subscribe and be notified when new episodes are released. Once again, this episode was brought to you by the new Woodside Bar opening this fall inside the Goods & Co. market downtown Thunder Bay, serving up curated cocktails, delicious wines, and craft beers. Follow along on Instagram at The Woodside Bar. That handle again is at the Woodside Bar.